So this morning, we have this Mission Sunday, and it's just something the Lord put on my heart a few weeks back, and we had just started the book of uh, John, and we just you know, launched the two services. Uh, but because of various circumstances, we've got a couple of missionary families that are home, and of course, Lee and Zach, this is their church home, and they're back from India, and Zach's been a blessing to, to me uh, in the ministry here and to our elders and deacons and helped in several things. Matter of fact, uh, I've asked him and Lee to kind of host the marriage night, which, which they'll be doing, and uh, it's allowed me to get focused on other things and other projects that need work, and one of them was putting together this Missions Day, and I had phone conversations with missionaries uh, around the world in the last couple of weeks, and so some of them you'll get a chance to hear from today. Um, won't get a chance to hear from all of them, but uh, I, I draw your attention to the screen. A few that maybe in coming uh, weeks, and you guys have heard from some of these folks, but we'd love to have some of these other ones via Zoom, on-site, uh, visiting. Uh, bottom left there, uh, a brother I've gotten to know a little bit, uh, Pastor David Downs, the Lord's used him to plant a ministry in Italy in the heart of Roman Catholicism where Paul himself preached, and there he is. God's doing a great work in Italy. People are coming to true born-again faith in Italy, and then Bill James, bottom center in Uganda. I mean, left Portland, Oregon. Uh, Portland's a mess, but hey, God's doing a great work in Uganda there. And, um, and so uh, there's some good churches in Portland. God's doing a work there too. But, um, but nonetheless, he's gone to Uganda, and God's just done a tremendous work there. And you guys, some of you have been with us. You went down to El Salvador, Pastor Jorge Bustamante, uh, who is native El Salvadorian, and there he is, uh, what God is doing uh, there. That church has really grown. That ministry has grown. The community has been impacted. Top right, uh, past, and you guys know Jonathan Krauss and, and what the Lord's doing, uh, Love Never Fails, and that ministry specifically, mostly to uh, orphans and children there in India. But, uh, you know, you'll hear from more of these folks in the next 6, 12 months, maybe less. Uh, but today, we'll be hearing from the, the ones that I have here pictured on the screen. You'll hear from uh, Zach and Lee that we... Uh, we were able to, in the pandemic, just uh, maybe five, six weeks ago, uh, uh, Randy West, who you guys might know Randy and Tasha, they were here at the early service. Uh, he has a production company, video production company, and uh, he's helped me produce some of the ones that I've done. Uh, but he did this one. You guys are going to love what he did uh, with Lee and Zach. And obviously, it's only good because Lee and Zach are sharing what God has done. But Randy was a big help in putting it together and filming it and editing it, and so you'll get a chance to see that in just a couple of minutes here. You hear from the Petersons, they're up front. Dana's my stepsister, and she's been living in, her and Eric have been in the Philippines for what, 10 years now, or how many? 14 years. So uh, time flies when you're having a lot of work to do. So um, 14 years there, and you guys, uh, some of you know, and you'll see a video from Pastor Jeff, and they've planted the church there in La Esperanza, and we, we go to Guatemala every summer except for 2020. That did not happen this year, and they got locked down, and they're still locked down heavy, heavily in Guatemala. But you hear from Pastor Jeff and Brandon and what God is doing in Guatemala. So when that video queues up, they don't mention it's about Guatemala, but you'll know. You'll see Jeff, a big guy, you know, you'll see uh, him and Brandon talking about what God is doing in Guatemala. And then lastly, we'll patch in a Zoom call from Houston, Texas, where John Samara, who is Syrian, uh, born and raised in Syria. You'll hear his accent, uh, loves the Lord. I had a chance to meet him in the uh, East Coast Pastors Conference, uh, but he spends a lot of time back in the Middle East. In fact, he's flying to the Middle East tonight at 10 o'clock Houston time. 
pray for him. He, early in the week, he had a pinched nerve and a bad cold, so you know God's going to do a great work while he's in Syria and Lebanon, and he ministers in North Africa as well, and so you'll hear directly from him. Uh, I believe by the end of this service, your eyes will be a little more moist than when you came in, not because of the rain, but because of the Holy Spirit. So uh, I just wanted to you know, share what the morning's going to look like as soon as I exit the video is going to come up, and you're going to hear from Lee and Zach. And then after Lee and Zach, you get a little short clip from Ethnos 360, and then the Petersons will come up, tell you what they're doing in Manila and the Philippines. Then Pastor Jeff and Brandon will share from Guatemala. And then right after that, I'll come up and introduce John, who will... The Zoom worked great the first call. Pray that it works great the second call. It was, well, it was good, and he was clear, and, and uh, God used him in a great way. And then we'll close in prayer uh, at the end of it, but uh, you'll be blessed that you came, and those of you watching online, you should be able to watch all of this, including the Zoom call, live online. But why missions? Uh, well, it's simple. Jesus has a heart for the whole world. Amen? And I believe that at, at this time, God wanted us as a church to take our heads off of all of the American self-focus. Some of what we focus on is not even important. Some of it is. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I think it's very important that we vote scripturally and that, that, we, that we see churches stand for Christ in the face of tyranny and things, all of that. But there are, a lot of other stuff we care about is not all that important. Like, uh, did I, I forgot to record my TV show. I can't believe I did that. You know, that, that's not going to have any internal impact. But what you do for Christ here and sending people and going yourself is. And so uh, we go to the nations. God had clearly told me to go to the nations. And so I said, okay, well, that means leave my country and go to another country to share the gospel. And it wasn't until God spoke to me that there were people who had never heard the gospel before. I mean, it blew my mind that we were 2,000 years past Jesus, and Jesus was not known in all the world. Like, it was not proclaimed in all the world. So that verse, Romans 15, and 15 20, and 21, really spoke to me and my wife, both of us, saying, that we don't want to go and build on any other man's foundation. We want to go to those places where no one's heard. It says in 2 Corinthians 5, like, if, he, if one died, then he died for all, that those that live no longer live for themselves anymore, but they live for him who loved them and died for him. And when I heard about people that had never heard about Jesus, didn't have access, even if they had a dream or Jesus spoke to them, something like that, they still wouldn't have a church to go to. They would have no, most, there are people that have no Bible, have nothing, nothing that they can do except wait until somebody comes. Well, my kind of thought of India was that it was going to be dirty. It's going to be a ton of people and way too hot food, as well as a bunch of people that were just lost. 1.4 billion people in India, and it's in a third of the land mass of the United States. So they've got four times the amount of people with a third of the land mass. It is the largest populated Muslim nation in the world. It was also just shocking to me. There's 250 million Muslims in India. When we got there, um, it was really striking to me. It felt like uh, an assault on every sense of your body. It's loud, It's dust. it was dusty and extremely hot, and smells, and a bunch of language that I didn't understand and people so close to me. I kind of thought that Indians were very abrasive and they were going to be very mean and rude and unkind to us. Indians are extremely kind, extremely hospitable, extremely mm -hmm. loving. They invite the foreigner in. They have a thought process of treat foreigners or treat visitors as God. 
and they really do that. They go above and beyond. We're, we're kind of in the mindset of hospitality is, hey, welcome to my house. Like, can I get you something to drink? There's the refrigerator. You can have anything in the house, you know, relax, do whatever you want to do. Here's your room. They're like, hey, sit down and let me cook you this six course meal. You have to have chai four or five times. Hey, I'm gonna go and borrow money from my neighbor because I don't have it so that I can go and pay for all this food for you. And if I don't cook you a meal and I haven't treated you in that ways, then I'm gonna miss out on a blessing. If you'd walk into a store on the side of a little gully and in the morning you'd see um, the uncle or auntie opening up their shop and doing their prayers and their worship to the idol in the corner, they embrace living out day to day in every part of their life what they believe, not just Sunday morning, this time to this time, that's my worship or my time to follow and honor God, but it, it really is throughout their whole day. They are excited when they see that there's people that follow Jesus and they see that they're actually living out, um, praying and worshiping together and following his ways. So that was encouraging to me. I didn't, I thought that it would be very like a hard door or closed off, closed off and isolated. And that even, I mean, I know in places there, there are persecutions and things like that, but we have experienced an openness to, around Hindus and Muslims that um, that was just unexpected to me. Yeah, you know, I think here in the West, we do a lot of personal faith. It's your personal faith. You kind of hide it in a closet and you, we compartmentalize our lives a whole bunch and we say, this is my work space. This is my work time. This is my Jesus time. This is my whatever. But there it's all encapsulating. So you're a Muslim 24 seven constantly. You're a Hindu 24 seven constantly, a Buddhist 24 seven constantly. And if you're not doing spiritual things, even though you might not believe in that religion at all, you might not think mm -hmm. that there's any truth in it at all, but if you're not doing those religious things, then you're just a, you're a weird person. And so we actually had to get to the point where we would almost in our first conversation with people, it's like, hi, I'm Zach, I'm a Christian. You know, that was, that was kind of the way that you went about it. Because if you did not talk about something spiritual in that first meeting, then they just moved on past you because you weren't a spiritual person. Because here in America, what we do is we so often we are like, oh, we have to build a relationship with someone before we can start talking about our faith. And there it's the opposite thing. Immediately talk about your faith. And then through that, you'll build a relationship with people. They have very little understanding of what it actually means to be a follower of Christ. And so a lot of times we have the opportunity there to just live out the principles that Jesus taught in his word. A lot of our friends had in their minds, the stuff that they see on TV from the West, that's Christian. You like, they see, you know, the Kardashians on TV. They see whatever, um, Jersey different, Shore. yeah, all the different TV shows and things like that. The world has gotten quite small now. And so people see that stuff that's being lifted up here in the West and think, associate immediately well, the West is Christian and that must be what it is to be Christian. And so then when they actually meet people that follow the Lord and live differently than what they've seen and associated with Christianity, it provides a real opportunity to one, live it, but also two, to have some great spiritual conversations of what Jesus said, the commands that he gave and what it looks like to follow in your life. God has shown us having a business and having a real identity in the community has allowed us to just take away bridges and wall, like just walls that people have had up um, and just go straight to the heart to be able to talk with them and live life among them without any hesitations on their part of why are we here? What are we doing? Are we there to just to convert you? 
when we actually have a role, a business, or a um, yeah, a purpose that they see us living out every day, whether that's doing a handicraft, um, making some handicraft items, training people how to sew the products, or running language classes, helping these new um, cross-cultural workers. Both and all of that is opportunities day to day to be among the people and to live it and share it. India is not a country that you can just go into and start sharing the gospel. There's a lot of anti-proselytizing laws and anti-conversion laws inside of India. So it's a country that you have to go into where you have to have a real identity that makes sense to people. So you, you, you walk up to people to meet them and their very first question is like, hi, how you doing? Where are you from? It's, what are you doing here, boy? That's the, that's the thing that they ask. It's not anything else. So if you don't have a real answer, oh, well, um, you know, I just want to tell you about Jesus. Immediately that person go, can go and turn you into the police officers because that's just not something that's okay. Um, but if you have a, a reason to be there that people can see, then people are much more open to trust you, believe you, to hear just barriers and walls just immediately fall. Normally that would be seen as uncommon, odd, weird, why are they you know, interacting? However, if we're doing a business and our business employs that person, it directly puts us in contact with them, honors them, allows them to provide for their family. Nationals and internationals, it was something around 2.5 to 3 million Muslims to every one person who was trying to engage them with the gospel. 2,700 plus people groups inside of India and 2,200 of them are, have never been engaged or, or don't. Totally untouched. So you're talking about groups of 10 million and 30 million and 40 million people who might have five believers inside of them. God told us, told us, when I say us, I mean the church universal. For us in the church universal, God has told us to go and make disciples. He's told us that we are his lights. He's told us that we are his people and we're supposed to take care of this abandoned world. He wants us as his people to be ministers of reconciliation to the world, telling the world, hey, God wants to bring you back to himself. The gospel goes forth like a flood and it goes forth in movements. It's not an extraction model of, hey, let's pick up one person, bring them over here, teach them a bunch, and then they can never go back to their place. But no, it goes through the family units. All of those people were able to share scriptures with, we're able to ask, they'll tell us, you know, we're really struggling. How are you today? I'm really struggling. My so-and-so has this going on. Immediately, we are sprinkling and sharing, we call it Shema statements of sharing scriptures and praying for people. God started speaking to us, minister to the saints. And we were like, wait, 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 hold on, hold on. Everything God has Romans told us to 15, do. 15, 20, and 21, go and build another man's foundation. <laughs> yeah, everything up to that point had been like unreached. Um, and then God started saying, you know, equip the saints, minister to the saints. And so we just were like, okay, God began to really pray and ask him, how can we equip the body to, to carry out your mission? How can, again, it's not about us and our dreams and yeah. our plans. It is what has God given you that you can do for his kingdom? That's where a lot of people sell everything that they have. They, they, plan for three to five years. They sell everything that they have, wherever they are, to move to India because they're gonna see this big work of God. They get there and they just struggle, man. They, they struggle really hardcore. So we developed a, a training and the average lifespan of a worker there is somewhere around six to 18 months. In six to 18 months, they've washed out and they've moved back to their home country. And a lot of times jaded, a lot of times 
feeling like they didn't hear from God, like they failed, like they didn't know what God was telling them. Some of them have lost complete faith in God because of they didn't they didn't see the fruit that they wanted to see. And so we developed a course after spending was it five and a half, six years in India and seeing people that we slaved with, people that we loved on, people that we worked with washing out. We just developed a course called Slice. It's, we teach people about strategy, language, identity, culture, and exalting Jesus. So basically whenever we were seeing these guys wash out, it came down to one of those five things. So we want to teach people practically hey, let's take you along in this strategy so that you can get to where you wanna go. Whatever the thing that God's told you to do, let's take you along in it. And a lot of people weren't learning language. They were there for two and three and four years and still could speak no language, having a translator, but they had no clue what was going on. So we teach people language. We teach them an identity with a reason to be there. Business there is really convoluted and very confusing for a lot of people and really tough with, that, with so much corruption to really do anything above board with businesses, with uh, nonprofit work, and just anything overall. Keeping your eyes on Jesus and saying, hey Jesus, no matter what, no matter what, if we see a thousand come, we see one come, we see none come. What we're doing is being obedient to what you've called us to. That's what we want and that's what we hope. And to keep our eyes on Jesus like that is, is really what it is, you know, like Joshua said, um, as for me and my household, we're gonna serve the Lord. As for us, we're gonna serve the Lord no matter what. If none of the rest of you Israelites, your stubborn-headed Israelites are gonna come, it doesn't matter. If none of the Americans come, if none of the Indians come, if none of the Muslims, none of the Hindus come, it doesn't matter. We're gonna be obedient to what God's called us to do because we are gonna serve Him in suffering and in joy. All the hard, all the, I think I'm gonna die, like I don't know if I can do this. Um, so worth it when you know that even just one has come to faith and even that and that but God using even that one now to start with other people and so that's so encouraging they've counted Jesus greater than their life you know and that that's that's what we're there for right we're there to see deep rooted people who love Jesus more than themselves, more than their own life. The, the, one of the things that people ask us all the time is how do you get involved in India? And we understand not everybody's gonna go, but there's three ways that you can do. You can either go, you can pray, or you can give. All three of those things put you in hand with workers, put you in hand with us, put you in hand with North India to accomplish it. We can't do it by ourselves. We're funded by churches and people to help us to go there. And without the prayer support and the prayers of the saints, then we would we would have washed out a long time ago. And the people that are there would not even be open to hearing without the prayers of the saints. Something happens in the spiritual that sees the veils removed from their eyes so that they can see and so that their eyes so their ears can hear. seen things that touch God's heart and things that have broken mine. No man is indispensable, I know, but no man is insignificant either. From the Andes to Mount Fuji, rice paddies to wave-thrashed islands, ice caps of Greenland to hot African sands, tributaries of the Amazon or the Mekong, I face the faces of fear and hostility and witness great beauty from God's hand in the air, on the seas, on the trail 
the message of grace needs to go. Hey guys, we are so happy to be here with you and share what God, how God is building his church in the Philippines. Um, and what a pleasure and a privilege it is to be part of that. Okay, there's the Philippines. So I'm sure you guys have, you know, as you go through the pandemic, um, you know, this is what we saw. If you guys, in a no normal day life, you see lots of people and lots of jeepneys and stuff on the streets of Manila. And during the pandemic, um, we, that's what the, it looked like. On the right-hand side, it was just nobody, no, no nothing. Mm -hmm. And I've never seen that in the amount of years that we've been there. Um, I mean, it was just, you know, we had to get a pass to go somewhere. Um, we also, uh, I, I was the only one going out. Um, Dane and the girls were stuck inside for like 13 weeks. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I did the shopping, and the girls were like, yes, Dad did the shopping. <laughs> he brought home all the junk food and all yeah. that. And, you know, so <laughs> Mom's like, no, never again. Um, so... Oh, and I wanted to tell you about the lockdown as well. Um, we're right now starting week 34 of the lockdown. We left at 16. So uh, it's still in the same situation. Um, I just shouldn't have you do this, but if you're under 21 or over 60, you could raise your hand or think to yourself, you would not be leaving the home. Under 21, over 60. And if they see you out and if you have white hair, um, they might say, oh, excuse me, excuse me, and they'll send you home. And it's, it's regulated by the police because it's a little bit of a military state. But, um, yeah, so it's, that's the kind of lockdown that we're looking at. So just to give you a taste of that. But, yay, look at us. Look how young we are. That was 2006. That's when we left here to head to the Philippines. Our daughter, the little baby girl right there is one. She just turned one. She's 15. She's right there holding our timer. Um, and then our other daughter, Caitlin, is, um, oh, that's Kylie, by the way. And then our other daughter, Caitlin, is in Bible school right now, which is the reason that we came home. Yeah, that was, that was another story. We, we were praising the Lord to be here and to be able to bring her home. Uh, even before the pandemic, we, we didn't expect, uh, we were planning to come home to bring her to get her settled. And so to get her settled up in Waukesha, Wisconsin at Bible College. Mm -hmm. And uh, to still be here and be here for her, yeah. uh, that's a privilege. But we appreciate your prayers in the days ahead as we leave to go back to the Philippines the end of January. And uh, we've never experienced, it's always been four. Now it's mm. going to be down to three. Yeah. So appreciate your prayers that time. But we really want to share with you guys today what God is doing in the Philippines. Yeah. And how he's using the Petersons. And what do they do? How do they even help contribute to the gospel getting to the unreached? And that's what I wanted to tell you today. I work with a guest house ministry, and those are the people that I work with. They're the heroes. The Lord uses them probably way more than me, but I just work alongside them and um, just showing you who they are. We do Bible study with those ladies every morning, pre-COVID, huh? Pre-COVID. Um, now I'm looking at the future, wondering what the Lord's going to have for us. So we're all in the same boat, just like you. But God is still doing a work, and he's actually, we still have people, missionary families coming through the guest house. Even now, I had two families leave for the states last week. Um, so I'm still functioning in that role from, 
from this coast, which is very strange, but um, very exciting working at the guest house. I get to work with a lot of different people and see different mission organizations. Yes, we're with Ethnos and Yay to the tribal people unreached, but we get to uh, not... We get to share stories at the dinner table with other mission organizations, some that are working in orphanages, some that are working with street children and gangs, getting them out of that. Oh, it's so fascinating to listen to their stories. And they're fascinated by our stories of going into a tribal village, learning a language, translating the Bible, teaching, you know, planting a church. They're like, what? And I'm like, what? So yeah, just very cool how the Lord, oh, he uses so many different people, different gifts and abilities all over the world and all in different places. We're there in Manila, so many ministries there in Manila, and we get to be a part of it just by having a little guest house. So, But Eric doesn't do the guest house, go. Sorry. So um, <laughs> like Dana said, it takes a team. It takes a yeah. team to see the gospel taken to the ends of the earth. Mm-hmm. And so it's not just us. It's this group of people that I work with day in, day out, um, Filipino co-workers and other expat missionaries. And, you know, what a privilege. What a privilege to know that others are coming to know Christ. Of course, if you have, you got to take the, co- you got to take the um, uh, face mask picture. Yeah. And uh, so my area that I work in is finance. I do the finances for the field. Um, and that's part of what I do, but I also wear many other hats. Mm-hmm. And I have coworkers that wear many other hats as well and uh, have made sacrifices. And other Filipino coworkers that uh, we both each got to see each other grow in the Lord. I mean, I feel like they're a blessing to me more, that, more than I am to them. But we've spent time in the Word together, and to see them uh, come along and be discipled has just been encouraging to my heart. Mm-hmm. You may wonder why we work in Manila. Why is Dana in the guest house ministry? Why is Eric working in the finances? And it's really to get the gospel to the unreached. And the whole thing is Bible translation so they can have the Bible in their own tongue, in their own um, language. And this is Bob Ambrosius. He's 80 years old. And it has taken him about 42 years. And I can say he's got the whole, through the Lord, of course, certainly not his, his own understanding, no way. But with the Lord's help, oh man, the entire Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, often, which is a wonderful thing too, often it's just the New Testament. That's the one, you know, you want to get translated into parts of the Old Testament so that you can keep them. But man, to have the whole scripture in their language, and he was able to do that this year, and that was the challenge that our chairman gave. Certainly 2020, oh, it's all going to go down in the history books, the year of the COVID, you know, but you, you, he wanted to give glory to the Lord, that it's the year of the Bible. Let's look at, let's take it back. No, no. It's not the year of COVID. It's the year of the Bible because certainly even though uh, it's been locked down, oh, terrible lockdown. Oh, it's so hard. No. Oh, when the missionaries were locked down in their villages, the people were also locked down too. And so they got a ton of translation done, a ton of uninterrupted work, right? Oh, praise the Lord. Things did not stop with COVID. God does not stop with COVID, right? So it's just amazing. Praise the Lord. It was, here's another one of our translators um, who works among the Banwatan people. Mm -hmm. And he was able to finish the book of Mark during Mm -hmm. COVID. Mm -hmm. And what an awesome thing that is. On the other side, I wanted to show you, missionaries don't only translate, but they also have to send out their broken refrigerators too as well. And so they don't have a repair shop down the road like you and I do, or have somebody come and look at it. He has to send it out on the helicopter. And and that's also the way it comes back in as well. That's right. Yeah. And 
another tool that was um, translated into Tagalog, which is the native tongue for the Philippines, is the Building on Firm Foundations. And it's, a, it's basically a discipleship tool that teaches the scripture from Genesis to, I mean, from creation to Christ, right? Through the chronologically teaching through the Bible. That was translated this year. We were all so excited because we had planned to do a pastor seminar at our guest house. And we are going to invite the local pastors and give them the books and teach them how to use it. That did not happen, but that's okay. It's still on hold. It's paused, and we're going to do that next year. But just to have that tool, oh, that it was completed this year. Praise the Lord. That's a huge thing. Another awesome thing that yeah. you guys, that um, is happening is back in um, 2008, we started in the Got Done Work. Mm-hmm. And you can see the guy that's sitting next to me, if, if you don't remember anything today, remember his name, Perfecto, okay? Mm-hmm. He remembered American soldiers coming through during World War II, um, and I think it's World War II. Yes. Cool. So he remembers the names, and, and so um, I don't know how old he is, um, but I'm privileged to say that the Gatung people are hearing God's mm-hmm. word mm-hmm. now, okay? And uh, what a privilege that is. Mm-hmm. All these years, um, the work started back in 2008, and they're just hearing the word, mm-hmm. word just today. Mm-hmm. So continue to pray for them. Mm-hmm. Um, this is what Perfecto looks like today. Mm-hmm. Um, but each day, my coworker Dennis, he would, before he was going to teach that night, he would go up and he would practice the lessons on Perfecto. And so Perfecto is getting to hear um, the gospel message. So continue to pray for Perfecto, okay? Um, and the got yeah. dung people yeah. on, in the days ahead. Continue to pray. Look at the little ones. They're, they still need to hear too. So just the generations of the Filipinos and... And also, you probably heard on the news, typhoon, the super typhoon that just hit. Our people are, like all our ministry people and folks that we've been in contact, still have power. So that's a huge praise. But yeah, just still continue to pray for the Philippines because there's a lot of islands that were hit through that and just be praying for them. Thank you. Good morning, Calvary Chapel, Richmond. Jeff Stone and Brandon Cates. We're here from Guatemala, and it's a pleasure to be with you this morning and to share with you what God has been doing. So in this crazy year in January, the Lord laid it on upon our hearts. Uh, The word was maturity for this this year. And we begin to seek and and search uh, the Lord. We came up with a sermon series, and we're we're looking at this maturity, and, and he says, the greatest revival that can take place in this community is in the homes. And so we start to share with our congregation that the, the revival that God wants to do is right in your homes. Uh, fathers leading, mothers uh, supporting, and, and children being uh, brought to the feet of Jesus. Just a short few months later, uh, as you know, in everyone in the world, we were hit with this pandemic. So we were thinking, oh, wow, what's going to take place now? Well, that word, that vision God gave, now was that opportunity. As things became uh, became shut down and there was curfews and very limited uh, traveling and, and so on, it gave us a great opportunity for the family to really put Jesus being in the center of their homes. So what did we do? Well, we chose not to teach online, but we chose to produce uh, teachings each and every week so that that father, 
he can lead his wife and his children in the word of God. And what an amazing testimony we've heard over and over six, seven months later of how uh, wives have said, hey, I, I can't believe it. Our family is actually worshiping God in our own home. My husband is teaching not only me, but my kids the word of God. So we've seen this just great revival that's taking place down here in Guatemala. So, so exciting to see all that the Lord is doing. Not only did he provide this opportunity in this crazy pandemic uh, for us to, it's, it's crazy to see uh, just how gracious our God is. And he gives us exactly what we need. So provision, we, we start to look at what about the church building and what about the school that we have? What are we going to do? Well, through the generosity of the people in the church, we've seen provision after provision take place. Speaking of that provision, we said, God, what do you want us to do with this provision? And he says, obviously, that we need to go and to feed the poor. I have Brandon, uh, Pastor Brandon here, and he's going to share a little bit of what God has shown us to do next. Yeah, God is so faithful. Um, as he provided for us, we, we were asking, as Pastor Jeff was saying, Lord, what do you want us to do? And he birthed in our hearts this desire to go out and to feed the poor, to help. Um, we can all say that we've experienced the economic impact of this pandemic firsthand all around the world. But here it's been especially devastating because people work um, and earn their money day to day, and that's what they use to live off of. And so there was a great need, and, and we really just wanted to get out there and help. And what began with just people coming to church and bringing a bag of rice, a bag of beans, um, turned into um, hundreds and hundreds of bags. And, and to this day, we're at about a thousand bags that we've handed out uh, to people who genuinely need this food. And more importantly, we've been able to share the gospel message, the hope, and the love of Jesus Christ with each and every one of them. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you, Brandon. Um, it, it really has been a journey. And I know that everywhere around the world has been pressed from every side. Uh, there's been more mental illness. There's been more oppression. There's been more isolation. But I, I want to remind you that God is alive. He's powerful and he's doing an amazing thing. He's doing an amazing thing. And uh, I lastly would just like to encourage you, uh, open up your Bible in your home. Read it to your family. Pray. The simplicity of bringing Jesus into your home is going to be the great revival in your community. I want to thank you, Calvary Chapel Richmond, for your support. And God willing, we'll see you in 2021 on a missions trip so you can help us to further the gospel. God bless you. Thank you. Do we have John on? Yeah, good. John, I'll introduce you one second. Um, it's uh, interesting, the pandemic has made the world smaller, hasn't it? Because everybody has a very common thing to deal with. Uh, not common when the year started, but, but it's now uh, everyone on planet Earth is, uh, every government, every society um, is dealing with the same thing. 
but it underscores that Jesus said, go into all the world. That, that, that he said, it, from God's viewpoint, it is a small world. Jesus is his footstone, right? In a footstool, right? So uh, he wants us going around the world. And, and uh, just so you know, every, you should understand this, but each of the folks that have spoken that grew up in the States, um, they, they've given up a lot to go live in another country. Now, they, everything will be repaid to them by the Lord in heaven, and, but it, it's, it's a sacrifice that they've all been willing to make. And, you know, Jeff, uh, you know, Jeff, like us, used to live in Fort Lauderdale, and, and there he is in Guatemala now. And, you, you know, Lee and Zach have spent these years in India and the Petersons in Manila and the Philippines. And uh, Brandon, of course, went down, uh, moved down uh, as well. Um, uh, to be there with Jeff, and God's just done a tremendous work in all of these areas. Uh, the Guatemala uh, church now is just like our church, running two services. People are coming. They're reaching out to the community. It's growing. Of course, they have a school, and we thought all that would get shut down potentially economically, and yet people from the states have been giving, and the people locally have been giving, and so God's done a great work. This last person you get to hear from, uh, John, I think you're on your phone now, right? I am. I'm not sure if you can hear me. Well, I hope my voice is clear. I'll try to speak. Yeah, we hear, we hear you fine. I, I, John, John spoke earlier, uh, to, and he was at his house. John is on his way to the airport and has to fly to the Middle East tonight at 10 o'clock Houston time. He's got a lot of things that need to be done today, but he's taking his time to be here with us. John grew up in Syria. Fluent in Arabic, grew up in, in Syria in the Middle East, spends a lot of time in the Middle East and North Africa. So, John, I'm going to just turn it over to you what God has put on your heart and just share with our folks whatever the Lord wants you to share. So we'll turn it over to you. All right. Thank you, Tim. Uh, I, it's just wonderful to be with you guys all and to be able to share. And I apologize for technology is great, but in a situation like that, uh, I'm not sit still. So, but just to let you a bit about myself, I grew up in Syria, as Pastor Tim was sharing. Um, I work with ministry called NNIS House Organization, and we are uh, we were a movement started in Syria that spread all over the Muslim world in the Middle East and North Africa. Uh, with uh, just our vision, uh, we exist to empower the growing body of Christ in the Middle East and North Africa in uh, uh, Bible, biblical leadership training and, uh, and, and gospel-centered resourcing. This is our vision, our statement. Uh, there is a lot happening in the last, uh, just to kind of give you an idea what we're talking about, just if you look at the Middle East and North Africa uh, and the Muslim world in the last, uh, in our area, which is kind of very dark, it's the highest percentage of the refugee crisis because of the persecution, because of the pressure, because of the hunger, because of the starvation uh, that exists. Uh, and so there's a massive floodgate of refugee and the world dealing with that, the struggle, the radicalism, Islam growing. But in the midst of it, there, are, there is another reality, but I think that you as a believer, as a part of the body of Christ, that definitely you need to be aware of that reality uh, that which is not presented in day-to-day -day life, day-to-day -day media, which is, here is what I would love for you guys to be uh, to listen to. There are, uh, based on our study and research as a ministry with NNIS House Organization, we found out there are more Muslims 
today came to the Lord in Jesus Christ in the last 20 years, then the last 1400 years, 14th century. And it's just incredible to know that what God is doing today among the Muslim world and how the Christian and the Christianity is spreading in that part of the world in a numbers we have never seen it, where we've seen people coming to the Lord because they've seen in their past dreams and vision uh, and some way they ran into a body of Christ and sent to a believer and they share the gospel with them and they're like, oh, I know about Jesus. I saw him in my dream and I'm so glad they ran into and they hear the gospel and they begin to say, ah, tell me more. I want to know who he is. That man appeared to me in light and they're so eager to hear about this man in light been appearing to thousands and thousands of people but the the issue is not the fact that it's not the issue that the story is not about the vision it's the story is about the church that the, they don't come to faith because of the vision they come to faith because they know and they interact with a believer a christian and the body of christ and they hear the gospel directly from a physical uh, touch which is you look at ananias and that's where we got the name ananias uh, he was just an obedient believer that obeyed to the calling to go find this radical soul who was coming to persecute them. But the Lord appeared to Paul, Saul on the road to Damascus. And, but the fact is the Lord blinded him. Why? Because he want the church to go find Saul, find this radical, and to do that movement of going and finding and lay the hand. And once Ananias found Saul, he laid the hand and the skull fell out of his eyes. That's transformation i believe moment took place that's why it's so important to know that you you, you we, we have to know that there is a reason why the church exists worldwide and why you are in virginia why we are in syria why in lebanon turkey iraq why in the muslim world saudi arabia why are we in the muslim world? why the christian are there why we're here because God's using us in a way beyond what we can imagine. And God's using us, the body of Christ. Just to kind of uh, highlight some of the fact that uh, one of the people that we, we, we do focus on training, equipping, they just when they come to faith, just to share with you one aspect of it. When these guys come to faith, uh, we start training, equipping leaders, and they come from, you know, they know the Quran, and they all now, they hear the gospel, and now they're teaching scripture, now they're discipling, but they don't understand how to interpret scripture. So our goal, as the church is growing wide, to have deep, that's why we're empowering leaders. We have 700, over 700 leaders and pastors. We're training for four years program, and just with the pastors and leadership, we have a program for the women, that five years program, and we have 368 women part of that program, all over the Muslim world and these women are coming from Islam and they're focusing on four topics every year they go deeper because we want depth depth and therefore discipleship and uh, uh, we healing because women are under huge oppression in that part of the world and so we're focusing on how can you be healed and help other women be healed as well from that oppression of Islam and the culture and the environment and the third one is disciples uh, sorry uh, leadership skills and the fourth one is uh, uh, development because we want them to be sustainable so with, with these things that with the woman but with the pastor we have 18 courses Rome and Galatians just depth of the word of God but here's tell you what like some of those pastors when we train them they don't just come to sit with one week they to get to that one week all day training they go through bullets and they literally get fired they get smuggled outside country and there's bullets flying on top of their head they lose they sacrifice they put their life on the line just to go in deep and study the word of god with us so it's just been an honor and you have no idea how small part like that, that part when we talk about training 
uh, it, it just goes beyond of just sitting and studying. It goes about people sacrifice their life for that. So for me and for us, uh, we see the value in what we do. We see the value in their sacrifices to know the Lord of the Word of God. And our sacrifice probably nothing to go travel and meet with them and to prepare compared with their sacrificing their life. Just to let you know, guys, all because you guys are going to be part of this ministry, and thank you for your prayer and support for it. And 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 we 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 get we were able to do that. But you know, sometimes when we give, we think, you know, what is that doing the kingdom of God? You have to recognize on the other side, people giving their life for the gift to see the fruit of that gift. We participate together, and so it's not. It's not just like, oh, I'm giving money, but I don't know what else can I do. You can pray, but in your gift, you can do it a lot because people, there's a lot of giving into one part and everybody's giving different area, different direction. But that's what complete the kingdom of God and that's what make it successful today. And that's why we see the gospel growing. To go back and to share, to share why the gospel is growing so fast in this part of the world. One of the stories, I'll share my personal story with my dad in Syria in the midst of the war. And we're trying to get a document for me and my wife and myself to go outside the country. And we couldn't get that document because in a radical area, Qaeda, Islam, radicalism, and so and ISIS. And so we couldn't, we didn't want to go through their checkpoint because we get slaughtered. And I said, no, I prefer to stay. Damascus and to live the war and not to be able to go in and out. So our goal to go in and out speak on their behalf of what God's doing. Anyways, early morning, my dad get us in the car, seven o'clock in the morning. We're exhausted. My dad and mom from see me and my wife in the back seat. He said, Let's go get it and trust the Lord. Just, you know, and so we're driving in and we get to the first checkpoint and it's just a huge line and you know, it's a war zone. And so and bullet and 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 missiles falling and you hear it and you see the smoke and these gun soldiers pointing their guns at us and asking for our IDs and we stopped at the checkpoint and I, I, I begin to pray and my dad as soon as he opened the window he looked at that sort of and the gun in his face literally like a machine gun on my dad's face pointing and and, and my dad looked at him and said I'm going to share with you the best gift the world ever known you know, when you speak to a, mach to a gun, a machine gun right on your face, uh, an automatic weapon, it's not something you want to share. I want to share with you the best gift the world ever known. You want to listen to them and just be silent. And when he said that, my heart sunk. I thought this is the end of it for us. And I'm going to begin to share the gospel. There's a line of car behind us. He shared the gospel and he, the guy pulled my dad over and made him step out of the car and he made my dad pray for him and it was just such a powerful moment he get back in the car we start driving i begin to pray lord don't let my dad say anything for the next checkpoint because i want to survive i want to live we get to the next side checkpoint and the next one and the next one and with the same message the heart of the uh, what's his heart he spoke he said, I want to share with you the best gift the world ever known. And the first checkpoint, my dad pointed out, I didn't notice that my dad had Bible uh, next to him. And I, 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 I was always say, if I knew my dad had this Bible next to him, I would not have gotten in the car in the first place. But as we, he, as he began to reach out and I noticed that he's handing the Bible, the first checkpoint to that soldier. My soldier won the Bible, but my dad would not let go of it until that soldier make a promise to read the word of God. And, and it just such a transformation moment we get to the place where we need to get to i'm thinking that document my dad thinking the gospel he stepped in line i look at my dad there is a line of people and i knew what he was going because that bag of bible was with him in his hand and the other hand he's carrying our document so my dad stepped to the windows and he and i stepped backward i want our turn to come I'm, I'm, I'm trying to act i'm not with this guy 
I don't know him in case something happened. I'll take the document. I'll go do it myself. And, and, and he goes in and I look on the side as he was sharing the best gift the world ever known. I noticed tears falling out of her eye. This is the first time a moment. And I realized that moment, how thirsty the world is for truth. And we don't realize that. We don't think about that, those moments. Like we think about ourselves and what we know. And sometimes we hide it and we think about our day-to-day -day lifestyle. And we forget about the thirst for those who have never heard the gospel. And I don't think this is just in the Muslim world. I think this is right in Virginia, right in your heart of your town. The world thirsty for truth, my friend. I just want to share and encourage you. This is not somebody about the mission. The mission is today where you live, where we're at today and where we're at. And we take that to the cross, the ocean, but we also do it right here. So I encourage you to pray. And we are sending a video uh, with my dad sharing from the masses about the struggle. And this is going to only go through our newsletter. So if you're interested, you can talk to Pastor Tim. I'll forward it to him and he can share it with you. And I have a five minute about what's happening, how you can pray for the people of, in that country. But also, you can check our website and you can go on. And there's a lot of stories. You can get, dig deeper and deeper at an Ananias House organization. And you can find out more about who we are. Not who we are, just find out about the stories, the transformation moment and what God is doing. So... I, I think with that, I would just say, pray for us, pray, because there's a bigger challenge for us. And, and uh, as pray for me as I head to the Middle East, and, and there's a lot of struggle, uh, a lot of persecution. I'm going to be in areas, difficult areas, so pray for safety and protection as well. Uh, but pray for the people I'll be seeing, I'll be meeting with, I'll be crossing back with, com communicating with as well um, as, they, uh, as they are on the front line. Ten. When's the last time you came to church and you heard someone live, live right now, headed to the Middle East, from the Middle East, and will it be flying out shortly to the Middle East? So, uh, you know, I can't thank you enough, John, for, you know, making the time, and I know you've got a busy day to try and even get your things in order, and, and uh, you know, this week we were praying for you when you had a pinched nerve and a cold, and... Uh, the enemy attacks, uh, those of you that, you know, anytime you want to do something for God, Satan will attack you for it. He will really fight you. And so we're going to pray for you. I'm going to bring the other missionaries up as well, and we want to pray for them uh, before you get off. And then I won't bother you the rest of the day. You do whatever you need to do. And, uh, but, uh, you know, John told me an awesome story, too, when we were talking. And I, I met him earlier in the year at a pastor's conference. But then when we talked uh, last week, John, you were telling me, you know, they're in Syria, a small Syrian church, and, and, and you've seen a number of churches planted in some of the hardest places on planet Earth to plant a church. But this small Syrian church, they don't have any money. Damascus is incredibly war-torn. You guys have seen the pictures on the news and everything. And they didn't have any money, but they felt that they should send the gospel to the Sudan. And the Lord put it on their hearts, so when they passed the plate, they just started taking their jewelry and watches off and stuff and putting it right into the offering plate. And so uh, this whole month, I say that because the entire month of November, uh, while you stuff yourself with turkey and all the other stuff that we'll do in the month of November, I'm asking you to think, Lord, what can I give to these missionary groups that we heard from today? So uh, be, there's a blue box in the back there. On the online at calvarychapelrva.com, you can give 
it is a missions allocation. Every single penny. We have some needs here at the church, and we have some things that are not needs. They'd be beneficial, but they're not really needs. But then we have some that are needs. But we're going to sideline all of them for the month of November. Every single penny that you earmark, uh, either you put in the offering plate, put missions, if you put it in there. This is above your tithes and offerings. This is something special you want to give. If it's 5 bucks, 50 bucks, 100 bucks, some of you that do better than that, you want to do more than that. Every bit of it will go to people like John, the Petersons, the uh, you know, Zach and Lee, and Guatemala. We'll just distribute it among. So anything you can do, uh, whatever the Lord leaves on your heart. Um, when I heard what the Syrian people were, no one told them to do that. It was just the Holy Spirit told them to do that. And, and they have more of a heart for Sudan so, uh, than I think most Americans have for Sudan. And uh, that's what God does. He just really changes. And, and John, your dad, I can't wait to meet him eventually. Uh, but, uh, you know, just... He, He's had a huge impact on you. I hope he keeps you safe while you're over there. Uh, but uh, yes, we'll be praying for him. Hey, if, you, if the other missionaries can come forward, John, we're going to pray, and I'll let you get off the line so you can get back to whatever you're doing. And I only, only heard one car beep, so uh, we did good on that. Yeah, I apologize. It's, no, it's good. It, uh, the, the bottom line is the world is smaller. Yeah, it's, it's smaller now, and we can reach more people. So there's the, Paul said using the things of this world is not misusing it. We're using Zoom in the correct way to further the gospel, even though there's people using technology in a bad way. We're using it to further the gospel. Let me just read this one passage, and it speaks to the folks behind me, Jeff Stone and, and, and Nicole, who are not on the video because the technology, the connections from Guatemala are not good uh, usually. But this passage, Paul writes, he said, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works in all. Amen? Uh, he's using us in Chesterfield County to be connected to those in Syria and North Africa and the Philippines and Guatemala and India and beyond. And he's using us, number one, in prayer, but also in whatever we can do to give and support them and so we want to do that all throughout the month of November. We want to pray right now. And John, keep him in prayer. John, you're there for two weeks or longer? I'm going to be there for about uh, 15 days to two weeks, yes. Okay. Be praying for him, church, over the next 15 days. Today is November 1st. That just takes you all the way to November 15. It shouldn't be hard to keep that in mind. The next 15 days. And God cares more for what's going on there in some ways than some of the things that we think are so big here. Amen? God's worried about, uh, or not worried, but he's thinking about these individual people that you and I aren't thinking about. So let's pray for the team behind as well as our, our brother John and Jeff down in Guatemala. Lord, we thank you for this time this morning. We thank you, Jesus, that you came because you so love the world. And Lord, you saw that these last 20 years, more Muslims would come to faith than the previous 1,400 years combined. You have a heart for these gut-dung people in, in the Philippines. You have a heart for the 250 million Muslims in India. You have a heart for the tribal people and the natives there, uh, the Mayans in Guatemala. And Lord, all over, whether it's Bill James in Uganda, in Italy with David Downs and uh, Jonathan also working in India, all of these places around the world, Lord, we pray that each of these servants, you would strengthen them, that you would give them an extra measure of your Holy Spirit's power, Lord. I pray that you would uh, heal 
anything in John's body right now as he flies, Lord, you just touch and fully heal him, Lord. Just strengthen him. Lord, he wouldn't catch the virus anywhere on an airplane or, or in, uh, in the Middle East. I pray, Lord, for the servants that are standing here and Jeff and others. Lord, anything, if they have chronic things, you just touch and refresh and heal their bodies completely. Give them an incredible amount of joy and peace. Lord, I pray that you, the power of the Holy Spirit would be resting upon them. I pray this morning, even in Guatemala, as the services are happening, you would anoint that as well. And so, Lord, we just pray in the next 15 days in the Middle East that you'd use John in a powerful way and the people he'll be meeting and the other ministry leaders there, Lord, that uh, many more Muslims will come to faith. And the seeds that have already been planted, the Philippines and India and other places, Lord, those seeds will come forth and you would raise up additional servants. And Lord, in this room, we would not be negligent to pray and lift these servants up. And Lord, we would help them go. If we can't go, we would help them go. And so Lord, we just pray your blessing on each of these servants. We pray that uh, they would be uh, in the next few months. You'd open new doors wherever you want them to be, Lord, that nothing would hinder them or the work of the gospel. And we just pray that you would just crush Satan underfoot, all of his little attacks and schemes, and someone, some are big, Lord, they would all come to nothing, and that many, many more people would come to know Jesus. We ask all this in your name. Amen.